Welcome to the show. We are tuned in for real-life stories with real-life people who have overcome adversity and healed their life. I am your host, Victoria Johnson, teacher trainer and coach trainer for the Heal Your Life Certification Program and best-selling author of Do That and Then Some Transform Feelings of Less Than to More Than Enough. As Louise Hay always said, the point of power is in the present moment, so let's get started. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this beautiful Sunday morning, April 5th, 2020. Today, we are talking about healing our hearts, uh, and in particular, healing our relationships or uh, how to navigate our relationships through this time, in particular for those of us who are self-isolating or maybe not having as much contact with the people that we are in relationships with. So, before we begin, I just wanted to read a short meditation for you. This is taken from the book Letters to Louise, and it's about family relationships. So just relaxing and letting yourself settle in for the call. I envelop my entire family in a circle of love, those who are living and those who are dead. I affirm wonderful, harmonious experiences that are meaningful for all of us. I feel so blessed to be part of the timeless web of unconditional love that brings all of us together. Ancestors who lived before me did the best they could with the knowledge and understanding that they had, and children not yet born will face new challenges and will do the best they can with the knowledge and understanding that they will have. Each day I see my task more clearly, which is simply to let go of old family limitations and awaken to divine harmony. And so it is. And so it is. Well, welcome everyone. Uh, before we begin, I just want to recap last week. Uh, we were talking about letting go of fear and anxiety last week. And uh, I had someone send in a tip, hi, which was, hi, Sarah, which was You're very right. helpful. And that tip was when you're trying to meditate and you can't focus to uh, instead focus on a part of your body, which I thought was a really good tip, you know, focus on your arm or maybe focus on your root chakra or your heart or, or throat chakra or whatever it is, just to, something to draw your attention to to help you focus during medica- meditation. And uh, many of you will have seen that I recorded uh, a, a meditation, just a short 15-minute meditation for releasing fear and anxiety. And I sent you the link, but it is on YouTube. Uh, I think it's called um, Louise Hay Affirmations for Releasing Fear and Anxiety. So please enjoy that. Uh, I want to remind you once again that to put your um, phone on my, or your con- your connection, your microphone on mute if you are not speaking, just to get rid of some of the background noise for us. Hi, Victoria. Can you hear me? It's Daisha. I can't get my video on. <laughs> Hi, Daisha. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, I can hear you. It's wonderful. Okay. And that tip, by the way, came from Daisha. And I'd like to thank everyone who wrote in with questions because. We're going to start with that. We're going to start with dealing with the questions. Um, I'm going to answer the first one. And then for the second one, I thought we could have some group discussion to answer the second one. 
Okay, you ready? Yeah. So the first question that was sent in is, how is it possible to set boundaries with people in your family? Letting go seems selfish. And so uh, I, can, I can relate to this. I, I can really understand what this person is going through. Um, and it's always, you know, that making of a choice. But we've been conditioned so long that, you know, blood is thicker than water. And, you know, but, she, but she's my sister or but, she's, but he's my brother or that's my mom, whatever it is. And I'm not, you know, in any way saying that we disrespect anyone, but we can choose to spend less time with them. They allow us to love that person in a safe way when we set these boundaries and put them in place. And um, Louise Hay, um, I looked up what she had to say about it, and she says, we are not here to change other people. We are only heal here to heal ourselves. We have done so much work on ourselves. Why would we let someone treat us poorly? You can walk away right now and still have compassion for them. It is not an act of love to continuously subject yourself to negativity. You do not live your life the way they want you to, and they do not live their life the way that you want them to. It's as simple as that. Go your separate ways and know that you are on your own healing pathway. And she recommended an affirmation, which is, I release so-and-so. So let's say, it's, let's say it's your mother. I release my mother with love, and I am willing to experience happiness that is meaningful to me. And uh, I know that um, this can be really challenging and, you know, and impractical, too, depending on, you know, if that person is a family member, you know, if it's a friend or somebody like that, sometimes it's easier. But when it's a family member, yeah. you know, you still have Christmas, you still have Thanksgiving, you have all of those times when family normally gets together. So sometimes, you know, rather than severing space, we can, we can, our severing ties, we can just give space or we can limit the amount of time we spend with that person. Um, you know, just kind of setting that boundary. I know I've done that in the past. I've said, uh, to my partner, make sure that I'm not left alone with this person. And that's helped me to protect a boundary a little bit. Um, and uh, it's kind of negotiating some new terms. And, and a, again, an example would be with, with that situation that I was just talking about, making sure I was never alone with that person and uh, making sure that the, the time, the actual time spent was very limited. And um, letting go of the guilt is really important to remember that we're not being selfish, that boundaries are loving guidelines that we put out there into the world so that we can keep ourselves and our other relationships healthy, physically, spiritually, mentally, you know, emotionally safe. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay. Yes, I see head not, heads nodding. Know that uh, a toxic person will likely not respect your boundaries and they're going to push back and push back and push back. Um, but, you know, you can continue to force them, but in a loving manner. And let go of the fantasy. This is another big piece of it. Uh, just excuse me for one moment. <coughs> I don't have a cough. I have a tickle this morning. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, so letting go of the fantasy of what it should be. And this has been a huge lesson in my life, so I feel like it probably has in other people's lives as well. You know, you think a relationship should be a certain way, and then you set yourself up for disappointment over and over and over again. You know, I found, uh, for me, I've done this with my children, with, with mothering my children. Did I say smothering? I meant mothering. <laughs> 
um, you know, where I think that they, you know, they need to be acting in a certain way or, you know, they should be doing things by a certain age and so on. And uh, really, that's not their priority. That's my priority. And just letting go of the, for me, letting go of the fantasy that things just aren't that good. And, uh, you know, just, it's hard. And it's, it's something that I have to work on all the time. So I, I'm assuming that, you know, you are all working on boundaries all the time as well. Does anybody else have anything they want to add about boundaries? I do. This is Pat from... Hi, Pat. Hi, from Northwest Indiana. Um, This really was hard for me. I had, uh, two and a half years ago, I rebuilt my home basement, spent over $17,000 so my my sister and her husband could live there because they lost their home. And I only had one rule. And... That was just to stay out of my personal business. But when I was at work, she couldn't do it. So over time, it just built, it just made me more anxious and anxious and anxious. And finally, I asked them to leave. And that was hard. But I had realized um, that, you know, you have to put on that oxygen mask first to, you know, to, if you can't help anyone else, if you can't, you got to help yourself first. And, um, I blessed her with that. Uh, she still struggles with that. She doesn't talk to me, but I'm physically and emotionally better off. Well, and sometimes that's just it. And, and you know, the pain, it, it can be very painful, but it can also, mm-hmm. you know, just we have to keep being compassionate with ourselves and being compassionate with them in our minds. You know, it's kind of like forgiveness, right? We don't it have is. to call them up and tell them that we forgive them. You know, it's just, we can just hold loving thoughts for that person without having to be involved in the day-to-day. Anybody else have anything they want to share about boundaries? Sarah. Thank you, Victoria. Actually, I wanted to say that since I remember as a child, when I was a child, uh, sometimes I heard that people told me selfish because I was the only child and I had everything for me. So mm-hmm. when I grown up, um, I thought maybe it's better to give more value to others than myself. And after a while, I realized that I'm not paying attention to myself and I'm just uh, taking my time for giving love to others. And it's like I've forgotten myself and giving love to myself. So, so you would uh, let go of all of your personal boundaries. Yes. So especially during this time that we are all with the family inside the house, so I realized that I, I'm feeling a lot of pressure on me because I'm uh, giving value to others and I don't think like I need my own time in my room and not being with my family watching movie or anything that they are asking for. So yeah, I'm, I'm tr- trying to see it as a really good practice to uh, yes. give more time to myself and uh, set those boundaries and tell them that this is my value and I want it for myself. Yes, and it's very good self-care as well. Very good self-care. Anyone else? Maybe one last person to share on boundaries? Maureen, go ahead. As you were talking about boundaries, I was trying to associate what I experienced this last week. And um, I believe that I saw my husband going into depression and I didn't handle it very well. 
and I'm a rescuer. I want to see everybody happy and healthy and, and doing wonderful, beautiful things. I want to help people, sometimes to my own personal detriment. So I felt responsible for where he was at. And I tried to change him or that or the situation. And I didn't do it very well because he got very angry. And he said I said something to him, which I don't remember. And I'm too embarrassed to ask him what I said. However, this boundaries thing is like I needed to set my own personal boundaries and let him figure it out for himself. I Yes, yeah. and you know, you brought up such a good point is it's not only about our boundaries, it's about other people's boundaries as well. Absolutely. We're going to talk uh, a little bit more about you know, what's going on in our relationships now that we are self-isolating a lot of us. And um, you know, you bring up such a good point, but can I just say, Maureen, please be kind to yourself. And please know you did the best you could do. And uh, trust me, uh, you know, um, as you, many of you know, I'm married now and, and just got married last summer. So this whole 24 seven thing is a little bit different. And Chris is on the line with us doing tech support. I love you, baby. <laughs> and let me just say though, you know, um, there's times when, you know, I, I make, I choose wrong words or I make snap decisions or I slam the covered door, you know, and, um, it's just part of the humanness right now. And I'm not proud of those times, but it just happens. And, um, you know, and he shows me grace when I'm a little bit off center and I show him grace when he's a little bit off center. So please be kind and loving to yourself as well. Okay, everyone. Um, I wanted to share with you, uh, I'm working on a new book. It's exciting. And I was just thinking, uh, well, actually, while Sarah was talking, I've got a little chart in here that I'm going to share with you guys. And um, that this, this might be something to help you if you're needing to set some boundaries. So if you just want to write down these are going to be columns, and you can, you can work through this later, but each column, so the first column would have the person's name, and uh, the second column would be uh, the, the um, person who has an impact on your life, even though you may not have like that regular contact you know what I'm saying? So, you, so that's the person you're putting in there. You're listing their usual behavior towards you. So whatever that usual behavior towards may be. And any feelings and emotions that you experience there. So your first column is their name. The second column is the behavior and the emotions. The third column is uh, positively charged or negatively drained. So third is positively, char positively charged, fourth is negatively drained. I'll go through this when I'm done. Um, so again, choosing an, a usual experience. Is it positively charged or negatively drained? <coughs> Excuse me. And 
Then the fifth column is going to be interactions. And that is uh, ways you could interact with this person more meaningfully. So your first column is name, your second column is behavior emotions. So what behavior do they do and what emotions does it bring up in you? Uh, number three is positively charged. Number four is negatively drained. And uh, number five is interaction. So ways that you could interact with this person more often or more meaningfully, or maybe the choice is not to interact with them at all. Okay, I'm gonna move on to the next question. Um, you know, just let me, let me just say one more thing uh, on, on boundaries. Um, I think one thing that's really important to do too is to focus on the healthy family relationships that we do have. Isn't it so funny how, you know, we have like one relationship that's not great in our family and that's the one that gets most of our attention, right? So just really focusing on the positive relationships that we already have in our family and and know that whether you physically decide to leave the relationship or not, uh, the one that you're having trouble setting boundaries in, um, that it is a process and it is your choice and you'll make the right decision. And just know that, that you are a lovable person, you are a healthy, well-balanced person, and that everything will work out for your highest good. Another question that we had sent in, and I'm going to open this one up for the group to answer is, can you have a fulfilling romantic partnership when spirituality is very important to one person and not to the other person? I get asked this a lot, so I'm really interested to hear your responses. So the question again is, can you have a fulfilling romantic, relation, romantic partnership when spirituality is very important to one person and not to the other? Yes. Sorry, did someone say something? Uh, Maureen. Um, I've been down that road a couple of times in a different, many different ways. I believe I'm a spiritually based person. It started in church and then it started on a different level where I understood spirit to be different than what I was taught in church. So it's really opened my mind a lot more to realizing that there's different ways to be spiritual. And I'd always hoped that my husband would come to church and he didn't. Um, and in the end, I no longer go to church. However, what happened when I opened the doors to realizing that there's other ways to be spiritual, I started seeing my husband in a different light, completely different light, because he was truly spiritual in ways, you know, 20 years ago, I would think that was weird or woo-woo. You know, he would connect to doing Tai Chi, for example. He um, was into different types of uh, cards that had messages, and he just had a different spiritual being about him, and I started to respect and understand, and I even apologized. I said, gee, I'm really sorry I didn't see that, and I'm sorry that I disrespected it, and it allowed us to cross those, those boundaries of, of further understanding that I truly see he is very sensitive, which I didn't allow myself to see or didn't realize and very spiritual so it it uh, it changed our whole relationship our whole dynamic see now that's a really good point that i hadn't actually thought of that we you know i mean I, of course i've known in the general broad sense that we all have our own way of being spiritual but i never really thought about it in specifics like that and uh, next week we're talking about your spirituality your way and so uh, i'm sure we'll expand on that more so 
so one answer to that question is, you know, maybe they are spiritual, but in a different way. Um, for me, I'm just going to share a little bit about my uh, past relationship, uh, where the person was, um, well, a self-proclaimed atheist, which is pretty much the exact opposite of me. And um, then, you know, a few years into our marriage, he knew that I was going down this path. And that I think he realized that he needed to get on board. And I will give him credit. He tried. He really tried. He came to conferences. He read books. He really tried. But it just wasn't his thing. And eventually we did grow apart. Um, but maybe we would have grown apart anyways. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with the spiritual path. I don't know. So I want to hear from you guys as the experts on this one. Well, I can, I'm going to say something, if you don't mind. Hi. Okay, go ahead, <laughs> um, Michelle. I, uh, for me, it's spirituality with my, my fiance is very important. I mean, I, I dated, my ex-husband is an atheist and I'm very spiritual. I'm a certified soul coach. Like spirituality is my life. Right. So I teach law of attraction. So, um, but I think about my kids. So in relationship to my, my, my children, they're teenagers. And one thing that I always honor is their individuality and unconditional love. So I guess I just want to bring up that, that unconditional love and accepting people no matter where they're at is really the biggest thing because mm -hmm. love is universal. And so for me, I look at my boys from that unconditional love and yes, we don't see eye to eye. Um, at least my younger son and I don't, but I unconditionally love him and that's where I come from. And so that makes it easier because I can't get rid of my kids. Right. <laughs> but, um, so in order to navigate and they hear me, you know, do my podcast and talk about spirituality all the time and, they just love me and I love them and we just accept our differences. So um, you can live in harmony. I believe as a romantic relationship for me, that was too hard. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm very glad to have a spiritual person in my life now. Well, and that's an excellent thing to bring up too, is that, uh, you know, there are going to be relationships in our life, like with our children where they're not in harmony. Um, but it is important, I think, to have a relationship, you know, whether it's a friend or, uh, you know, somebody in your life who you do have that spiritual connection with. Um, however, like you said, in your, in your case, you're having your soulmate, your, your personal relationship needed to be another spiritual person. I think you were going to say something, Sarah. Uh, actually, I wanted to say that I don't have the experience of uh, being spiritual and being in the relationship. I started that after I started. I mean, I started my spirituality when I was not in any relationship. And I really like to say that I'm into uh, spirituality and I'm receiving a lot of intuitions from inside, which is making me to go through a relationship now. Uh, but uh, if I want to talk generally about people, not only relationships, I would say each person has uh, roots in spirituality and many people don't know about it. But when you act in a way that you show you're spiritual, you are yourself, you are not acting, you are um, truly uh, human, people start 
believing in you without their conscious. I mean, their unconscious comes in and they realize that, oh my God, what's this way? I want to know more about it while they don't know its spirituality. So um, for myself, starting a new relationship, I'm going through that. And uh, I started indirectly doing everything, doing experiments without people knowing that I'm spiritual and I'm experimenting on themselves. And they were all my family members and my friends. So, um, this is my experience. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. I can say something maybe too. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Yeah, in a past relationship, I was with somebody that almost uh, smiled about spirituality, grew up with the Catholic Church, but um, kind of was burned there. It wasn't for him. And, and kind of poo-pooed any, anything like that. And, you know, it took me a few years. Sorry? Um, Go ahead, sorry. It took me a few years to find out that you can't, like for me, you can't really connect with another person in a romantic relationship if you feel that they kind of um, find what you're doing in, in, in a sense of spirituality almost ridiculous. You can't. Uh, and needless to say, I figured out he's somewhat of a psychopath and I had to distance myself. And um, yeah, um, my belief is if you really want to have that romantic connection, there must be an understanding and you have to be somewhere on the same level. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, both with what you said and, and Sarah said too, you know, really exploring that openness. We have to connect. We have to connect. Anyone else want to share on that subject? Yeah, yeah sure, I will. Oh, go um, ahead, Daisha. Go ahead. Thanks. Um, since that was my question, um, uh, so I think that what you said, the connection part, is very important. So um, it's hard when um, somebody is open-minded and supportive but that you just can't connect over it. So um, that's what I find is difficult. <laughs> okay, Priya, I'm going to put that to you, okay, because I know you're an expert. Uh, did you catch what she said? Uh, no, I didn't get to hear very well. Okay, so what she was saying, and, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, um, was that um, there's an openness in her relationship and, um, a, a sharing and, an, and a support, but there's not the connection. And so how, how do we navigate our relationships? Again, whether they're romantic or not, where, but important relationships to us without, when we are living a spiritual life or, and the other person isn't, which is entirely their choice, but how do we navigate that harmoniously? I think it gives a chance for a person who is spiritual to understand what is there to learn out of this for her and it will lead her into a deeper level of understanding her own self because we are all here to heal ourselves. Yes. So it will be a beautiful opportunity probably that she has created for herself to understand the oneness in any case. 
and to understand that something out of herself is mirroring over there which is uh, again becoming the resistance to that connection and to be willing to release that resistance in her own self in order to have a better connection understanding that after all we are all that one spirit and after all we are all many forms of that collective consciousness and it's it's the universe again for her to grow this is the opportunity i feel that is a beautiful answer and you know it really touches my spirit uh, to hear you say that as well because i think so often we in our own worlds like for for all of us on here you know we're going to conferences we are um participating on online groups and so on and to not uh get in a position where we are uh maybe feeling that we're a little bit uh, spiritually superior to other people right and i think that's just oh kathleen did you have something to say Oh, I don't think so. Um, and so just, you know, being mindful that we're all just on different paths and, you know, but it goes back to that first question with the boundaries, right? What path do we choose to stay on? And uh, knowing that we, um, I love this line that Louise said, you do not live your life the way that they want you to, and they do not live their life the way that you want them to. It's a simple is that and you know just finding that balance and and doing you know as Priya was saying working on that finding out what's being mirrored back to you because that's the act of love again towards yourself yes and that we are learning to love ourselves better uh, you're beautiful thank you thank you for that thank you and thank you for that question can I say something about spirituality and uh, Yeah, um, Kathleen, I think that maybe I'm picking up background noise from you. Are you able to uh, put your connection on mute? Okay, go ahead, Priya. Yeah, thank you. This may be a little funny for some people because uh, one partner is spiritual and the other one is not. I I believe that still there can be a romantic relationship because after all it is the love inside of me that is being reflected towards me and if if i'm open and receptive to receiving romance then it comes my way when the part when the lover is ready the partner appears so uh, so that is possible but i personally experience that if the political opinions are very different or if the religious opinions are very different then it is, it's a challenge. A challenge, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's true. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we could, like you said, even political uh, views being different. I, you know, I know in my family, we have a lot of different political views and we just choose not to talk about it, but that's not really <laughs> an option, <laughs> you know, with our spiritual lives, in, with our partner. Yeah. Yeah, I agree to disagree, kind of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Sarah, did you have your hand up? Yes. Um, according to uh, Priya, she was saying about the political or the differences that we have. Um, I, I felt that um, I was different from others when I was 
growing in spirituality and I was trying to show myself and to my own life that I'm into spirituality and I'm following my intuitions. But many people don't understand what you are doing and they make like, um, are you uh, crazy? Uh, why are you acting like this while the uh, reality is showing this? And uh, I did uh, for myself like, okay, when I'm in the real world as others are, t are saying and I'm among others, I try to stay calm, stay focused, but usually I lose my focus because others' um, uh, ideas are so strong and they are coming through me. But when I come to my own uh, ashram, as I usually say, it's my room, it's my ashram, and I try to return to my inner being by doing meditations. And it really helps because when I start my new day, I feel that I've generated all those energy that others are getting from me and I can give them more love and in a direct way or indirect way show that I'm truly in the right path, nothing yes. else. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. That was an absolute great lead into our next question. So I'm going to go there right away. Um, and uh, that is how do empaths survive? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Priya. Sorry. So I just wanted to have one line on what Sarah was saying. Okay. It if okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So actually the reality that we perceive is also what we perceive as reality, which is an illusion that is created out of our thoughts. And um, so there is, there is... That's exactly, I believe in that. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay, thank you, Priya. Thank you, Sarah. Um, so how do empaths survive lockdown was the next question. And um, it goes back to, you know, a little bit about what Sarah was saying with, uh, you know, what she's putting out there and what she is um, thinking that other people perceive of it and so on, and then how she's internalizing that. And uh, so I do want to give some tips on uh, how we can uh, not only survive, but thrive during this period. And uh, one of those things is, you know, oftentimes empaths, they'll become overwhelmed because there's, there's, you know, just a lot of emotion going on in the world right now. And the sooner that we can reduce that or, you know, catch it and reduce it, the better off we feel as empaths. And one of the little ways to do it is this shielding visualization. And a lot of you um, are probably familiar with this, with the work of Shakti Gowan and, you know, just, you know, a pink bubble or whatever color you want it to be. Um, you know, she releases it off into the air, but you know, what I'm suggesting today is just when you need to, when you're in those situations uh, for any of you, you know, whether it's uh, at home with a partner and just, you know, really shielding yourself with this beautiful pink light and protecting yourself from any negativity and it'll keep anything toxic out. But I always visualize my shield as being one way. So it lets the stuff from the inside from me out to the other person so that they're able to receive my love and, and my, you know, my pure positive energy that I hold for them. Um, well, I don't have to absorb what's coming in and, you know, you don't even need to be around another person. We can do this when we're alone as well. When our thoughts, 
uh, turn to uh, thoughts of worry or fear or anxiety or stress, we can just, again, surround ourselves with that beautiful bubble and, and just send all that love and light into ourselves and, and you know, do a bit of a self-correction there to get us back on track and feeling centered and feeling happy and feeling energized. So the, another thing we can do is uh, define and express our relationship needs. And, um, you know, my house is small. I guess Chris and I, our house is small. It's 1,100, 1,000 square feet. I'm not sure exactly how much, right? And so, you know, when, when we're in this situation now, all of us, where we are um, isolating, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of time to be spending with another person. And so just, you know, being able to really define what it is that you need out of the relationship. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit more here, but, you know, know that, um, you know, if you need something, ask for it. Right. And, and just don't expect the other person to be able to read your mind um, and to just give them that, that same, compassion that you would want them to give to you during this time. Uh, can I just kind of get a show of hands on who is self-isolating right now? Yeah, so it looks like it looks like pretty much everyone. And uh, um, so remember that uh, even when we're at home, we do need to to answer to answer this question, how do they survive lockdown? Even at home, we do really have to take care of our feelings, even though we're not around a bunch of other people. There's still a lot of emotion going on. Um, you know, if that TV is on or you're catching highlights on your phone or something of what's going on in the world, um, again, protecting ourselves from any energy that's going to take us out of our perfect positive health headspace. So um, you can always ask yourself in that relationship, you know, what is it that I need more of? Do I need to be able to express myself more? Do I just need more time alone? Like, what is it that I need? Do, uh, do I need to sleep by myself? Like, do I need my own room during this time? What do I need that is going to pre prevent empathy overload? Does anybody have any comments or tips that they would like to add to that, Sarah? Uh, I wanted to add this. As um, Priya was saying, we create our own uh, reality. So if we say others are saying it's a kind of a lockdown, I think it has a negative uh, feeling. It, it gives me, it's like I can do nothing and uh, I'm locked down. But we can uh, play with the words and say, for example, I, I write for myself a lot. And since uh, the self-isolation and, as others say, lockdown started, I started more to write for myself. And the first day I was thinking, is it a lockdown or what can I uh, call it? And it became like I was asking for more time to uh, look inside, look for way, uh, many things inside me. So I'm going to call it my ashram than lockdown. Love it. So, yeah, so I every day when I'm writing, I count the number of days I'm in my ashram and I'm uh, writing for myself what's, uh, what, what I have done till now from the more, uh, beginning of the morning to night that I was looking for, I mean, to learn more about myself or know what I'm going to do in the future, what can I do? And um, 
I changed the word. I, I wanted to yes. add that we can we can say like whatever we like it makes well, us and that's feel true. better. Our words are very important, and you know we all have our own way of saying it. For me, I always say I choose to self-isolate. Yes. Right. So I'm choosing to self-isolate right now. So again, choosing our words carefully. And, uh, you know, not putting ourselves into a victim role where we are being forced or dictated or held back or restrained. Yeah, and, and uh, trying to live more consciously. Because yes, absolutely. Uh, every day that's, that is going on, I see that people are living unconsciously and they are not aware of that. So why not uh, you, you uh, take advantage of these moments that we are at home and become more conscious about our everyday? What can I do to achieve my goals? What can I do to change whatever I was not feeling well with that and now change it to new um, attitudes, new everything absolutely it's definitely a time of focus uh, michelle you had your hand up yeah one thing that's been really helpful for me because i've been like many of you really struggling um with the self-isolation i'm actually an extrovert so for me i love having people around me <laughs> um and luckily i do i have people so i'm okay but the one thing that i struggle with is just what's going on and so what i did the other day and what i do is always ask the question, how could I see this differently? So anytime I'm in a situation that's like feels icky and terrible, that's the question we should always ask. Cause when you say, how could I see this differently? When maybe before you would, you stay in this um, hamster wheel of negative thoughts, whatever may come up. And instead you say, okay, stop. When I, you say that question, how could I see this differently? You immediately stop that wheel and you say, okay, how could I see this differently? And when I say that, I ask that from spirit. Spirit, help me see this differently. And in every hard situation I've been in, it's always given me a beautiful answer because it's all about perspective, right? It's like, it's an, I'm in an ashram. I love that. Instead of saying I'm, you know, and, you know, being stuck at home, I, I thank you for sharing that because I think that's beautiful. But again, if we say that question in any bad situation you're in, whether it's frustrating with your, your not being alone, how could I see the situation differently? And it's, it's miraculous what comes up. I love that. I've written it down as well. I think those are both really great ideas with the ashram, with the, with, with the how can I see this differently, and then choosing our words and, and how we, we decide to think about the situation. I do want to say that for a lot of us, you know, this means a lot of time at home, not just with our partner, but with kids underfoot and so on, big changes, right? And uh, the excitement of the first few days um, has probably worn off. Uh, for some of us, you know, it's day 14 already, right? So uh, it's not sunshine and rainbows, and it's not naps and sweatpants. Uh, it is now moved on to uh, really just doing things that bring us forward and not, not um, letting ourselves fall into habits that are not serving our highest good. And so uh, I just want to give some tips here, you know, to be patient with each other. And to, you know, even if you're communicating with a family member that's across the world and they're going through a hard time, be patient with them. You know, we don't know what it's like to be in their house right now. Just, you know, be that listener for them. And uh, know that this is an emotional roller coaster for a lot of people. And uh, for yourselves, too, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. And to let go of all judgment on that. And to let go of judgment of yourself, judgment of your, your partner, your kids in the house, you know, whatever the situation is, that it's okay. It's okay that it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. One thing I keep telling myself is, uh, we've never done this before. 
So we need to just treat ourselves kindly and, and get through this. And when the, when the unexpected feelings and thoughts come up, just to see them, accept them, okay, and move on. We don't have to judge them or beat ourselves up. And know that our coping skills, they can be a little bit stressed out. So, you know, an example I always like to give people is, you know, imagine winning the lottery, right? Like, that'd be awesome. That'd be so great, right? Imagine how stressful that would be. <laughs> right? You know, there's the every step of the way, you know, it, it'd be stress every step of the way. It's good stress, but it's still stress, you know, and the same thing with if you're planning your wedding, right? It's stress, 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 even though it's something that you want to do and something that you're excited about doing and, and so on. So just knowing that even though something is really positive, it can have its own stressors and that's okay. We don't have to judge them. We can just go through them and move on and just giving each other extra compassion, giving, uh, you know, each other, including the children uh, and people outside of our homes, the benefit of the doubt, just knowing we're all doing the best I can and the best we can. And it's a big transition for us. One thing that I think is really important is to notice if there are any big changes in mood. We talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, if we think the person around us is becoming depressed or ourselves, or if we think ourselves or someone in our household is, you know, maybe drinking too much or um, relying on their medication too much, you know, just really kind of keeping an eye on that so you know when you need to uh, talk to them about professional intervention or what you can do to support them and to just to be aware of what's going on in the other person's life. You know, sometimes people will say, I, I want to go to my room. I want to go to my room. I want to go to my room. And that's okay because you, you know, you're thinking they're an introvert. They need to be alone, but just watching for the, the, the signs too of if they're going into depression, if they are um, actually isolating themselves further than like emotionally isolating themselves so that you can be there to support them in those relationships. Also spend more time journaling. And uh, like Sarah was saying, spending more time in meditation and prayer, spending time in nature for those, uh, depending on where you live, whether or not you're able to go outside and there's so many coaches available uh, online, therapists available online, if you and your or your family need support, um, you know, absolutely reach out to those people. You know, we're a strong network here. If you guys needed to be referred to somebody, I can refer you, right? So just contact me and let me know what you need and I can connect you with the right person. Um, and just to remember too that um, we can always just support each other through meetings like this, right? Through the, the like-minded ideas we were talking earlier about the spirituality aspect, you know, us gathering together with, with this common belief system and desire to help ourselves and help others. Just making sure that you're, you're tapping into that regularly for support. You know, also just remembering that this time can be emotionally challenging and, and maybe there's going to be some, some arguments at home. Um, you know, try not to, try not to awfulize it. <laughs> How's that for a word? Awfulize, you know, or catastrophize it. And uh, try and remember that 
um, you know, this is just a particular stage that, that you are going through uh, in your relationships, in all of your relationships, because of the very particular situations that we're in right now. And um, I, I really hate to say this next one because, uh, like I said, Chris is on the line listening. <laughs> so maybe I'll just whisper. <laughs> Don't expect your partner to entertain you. <laughs> Right, so finding things that feed your soul um, and entertain you, and that you can that you can do on your own to give you a little bit of separation as well. And um, I'm gonna—he can pretend he didn't hear that because poor Chris, he's he's forever having to entertain me. Uh, so knowing that this is a great time to rediscover those interests that you used to have. I mean, I used to cross stitch uh, before my second child was born. So that was, he was born in 88. Uh, before he was born, I used to be like a cross stitching maniac. I love cross stitching. And, um, you know, I've never, I've, I haven't even thought about it in probably 25 years. And, uh, you know, now if there was an opportunity for me to, I guess I could order something online. Uh, to do that again, how fun would that be, right? Just to pick up an old passion. There's something about making something, about starting with, with not having something in front of you and then having a finished product that is so satisfying. So, you know, just finding out what those passions are for yourself anymore. And, um, you know, just, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's learning an instrument, you know, something that can be ordered online or maybe something you've already got sitting in the closet. Maybe if it's, if you don't live where I live, and I wish I could show you out the window right now because there's, you know, half inch big snowflakes floating by, um, but maybe you could do some gardening. Um, you know, maybe you could just get out and, you know, trim the trees, do whatever needs to be done. Things that feed your soul, things that make you happy. Maybe maybe a book on that bookshelf that, you know, you picked up and were excited to be reading, read it five years ago and you haven't cracked it open yet. Uh, I do that all the time. So I assume other people do too. And so, you know, it's really good to, this is a great time just to think about, you know, what we want. So often we're just, we're, we're so trapped in the day to day. First I do this, then I do that, then I do this, right? Well, now you get to think about what is it I really want to do, Right. And so just taking advantage of that time. And, and Heike, you said this last week about using this time as, uh, I see you, Maureen, about using this time as a, uh, as a time to just, as a gift, right? And you know. I still feel like we're in our healing bubble and, and this is a one-time opportunity to get, dig this all out, what you always wanted to do and never had time to. It was so, it really stuck with me. So I really appreciated you sharing that. Maureen, you wanted to share something. What I've done for me is I get up in the morning and I immediately go and do some exercise. I walk on my treadmill, I do some stretches, some toning. I have a routine that I, it's just like as if I'm ready to go to a meeting or walk out and do some work outside of my home. And I'm lucky because I do have an office in my home and, and, uh, you know, primarily working towards an online business. So I'm working towards that. So I do that. I, and then I have breakfast, then I meditate either before or after my breakfast. And then I get started on what I do daily as far as, um, working on my business, doing things differently, creating, um, differences within my business. And another thing that I've started to do that I haven't 
that I've put off for a long time is the spring cleaning. So every once in a while, you know, I'll clean out a cupboard here or a cupboard there. I won't set my, my sights on, let's get the whole kitchen done one day. So I, I create a routine so that I feel like I'm being productive and I'm working towards something. Yes. And I think that's a really good, good point that you are working towards something. Um, and, uh, and, and just, uh, just this morning, uh, I was here, heard on the radio, they were talking about how important it is to have a routine, you know, get up, get dressed, you know, have your shower, get dressed, uh, eat your breakfast, do whatever it is that you would normally do, right? Stay in that, stay in that bit of routine. But, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, just really using this time to expand your horizons, just looking at it like this beautiful gift that we've been given to have a bit of a reset. Before we go, I do want to share something with you, and this is from uh, this book. So it's uh, The Five Love Languages. It's by Gary Chapman. This is like the best book. I remember the first time I heard this, I used to do a lot of hiking, and I was hiking uh, up this huge, huge hill, and I'm listening to this book, and I'm thinking, he was in my living room when he wrote this book. I was sure of it. Right? It's so accurate. And so I really recommend this for anyone who uh, is uh, in a situation where you're cohabitating with someone right now. Uh, and so the, the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So words of affirmation, you know, just telling you they love you, you're doing a great job. Go ahead, Annette. There's also a free online inventory he has where you can assess your own love languages. And oh, nice. Um, if you're with a partner, work that out and assess theirs with together. That we had the privilege of uh, sneaking off and seeing him in, he was in Grand Forks last winter, the winter before. It was, it was really great. Well, I just love his work. So I just looked inside the book and the website can is five, the like the, Sorry, Priya. The author again, please. It's Gary Chapman, and so uh, five love, love languages. Gary Chapman, and um, the website is the number five. So five, lovelanguages.com. Five, lovelanguages.com. That's a great tip, and that thank you that uh, you can go do your assessment there. So again, I'm just going to run through those again. Um, so the love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so, you know, for, for example, um, when we're when we are spending a lot of time together like this. You know, you might be, one person might be like mushy and gushy over their husband, you know, I love you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you for doing this and so on and so on. And then, you know, after time goes by, that person's feeling a little bit empty and she says to her husband, why don't you return this? Why don't you, why don't you like give me back what I give you? And he's like, what are you talking about? I mowed the lawn right? Because that's his way of saying, I love you. And it's just, oh my God, relationship saver right here. <laughs> and so I really encourage you to get it because it, I find it, it, I don't know, Annette, if you find this too, but I find it works in all my relationships, like with my friendships, with my colleagues, everything. Um, I, I highly recommend it, especially at this time. And then does anybody have anything that they would like to add before I close off here? Annette. 
There's another book uh, I've read over the years. It's called Positive Energy by Judith Orloff, MD, for, for empaths. Okay, Positive Energy. And uh, can you tell us that last name again? Judith Orloff, O-R-L-O-F-F, M-D. So it okay. gives, she gives uh, it's for empaths, like exercises you can learn and practice to to work cool. the energy you're picking up. I would like that myself. Yeah, it's a good, good little handy one. I'm pretty sure Chris probably got that written down, so that's good. Great. Okay. Anyone else want to share anything before May we I just add one more thing? Absolutely. Um, I loved what um, everyone was saying about different perspective and what Sarah said about ashram. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to share that I heard somebody call it physical distancing instead of social distancing, if that helps anybody. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I like that too. That mm -hmm. feels better. Right? Yeah. Uh, Priya? Yeah, we have been doing so many affirmations and so many beautiful affirmations you are giving on and off. So can you send all those affirmations by an email or in any... Sure. Yeah, yes, I, yeah, yeah. I certainly can. I certainly can. And I'm also going to send that link again for that uh, meditation to help relieve fear and anxiety. Um, I, you know, you know how it is we as society right we're we're not supposed to be like i did this and i love it but i'm going to tell you i recorded this meditation and i love it i've listened to it like five times already it's helping me relax so much so i really believe it will help other people too so i'll be sending that on as well uh, as these affirmations and and i will get it i'll get it out in a document in an email too thank you oh it's my pleasure and i want you to know too uh priya that um, after we spoke last week on the call, I have been holding India in my thoughts all week, and, and um, I just know that they'll be protected. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone ready for our little closing meditation here? Um, I think let's just really settle into it and really focus on the words. So maybe do close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. These are affirmations for rising above family patterns. I bless my family with love. I allow others to be themselves. I make my own decisions. All my relationships are enveloped in a circle of love. I have the power to make changes. I release all old hurts and forgive myself. I let go of old family limitations and awaken to divine harmony. All my relationships are harmonious. 
I have compassion for my parents' childhood. I release all criticism. I am willing to release the pattern in me that attracts troubled friendships. I love and accept myself and I am a magnet for friends. All my relationships are successful because I am a loving and nurturing person. I trust myself, I trust life. Loving others is easy when I love and accept myself. Even if I make a mistake, my family and friends help me through. My friends are loving and supportive. I have total freedom to be myself. I love and accept myself exactly as I am. I love and accept others exactly as they are. All is well in my world. And so it is. And when you're ready, you can just return your attention back to this call. And I wanted to tell you those meditations today came from this book, Letters to Louise. I love you all and I thank you for being here. I look forward to seeing your beautiful faces again next Sunday. If you could make it, we'll be talking about your spiritual life, your way. If you have anything that you want to talk about on that call in particular, any questions, any ideas, any suggestions, tips, please share them. Just send me an email and uh, we'll make sure that we cover them in the next call. Thank you to everyone. Stay well. I love you. Bye-bye now. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, You're everyone. welcome. Thank you, everyone, Thank you. for being here. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to become an internationally certified Heal Your Life teacher and coach, please visit thetraining.ca. To be a guest on the show and share your story, please visit victoriajohnson.com. Thank you so much for joining us.